So, we spoke about recently, the past few times we did the story, spoke about the Tzamaq Sedek and the Cantonists. Now we're going to move on to a much bigger part of the Tzamaq Sedek's time as Rebbe, and that is battling the Haskalah movement. Now, although the battle against the Maskilim was fought on many different fronts, meaning you didn't just fight them in one area, you had to go from all different sides. Um, so we're going to talk about now, we're going to begin with the Maskilim's plan and efforts to basically, and they succeeded, in closing almost every single Jewish printing press in Russia at that time. Not only was this the first action the Maskilim took to get the government, you know, to help the government uh, push this anti-from agenda that they had, they also made this whole crazy story with the Slavita brothers, which we're going to get to soon, to make the Tsar and his officials, to, to make their attitude against from Yidin, especially against the Chassidim, much worse. And through this, they were able to cause a lot of damage on the Jewish community. The czars and their advisors were always, they were, they were very worried about the Jewish religion. So whenever they received an accusation against a Jewish leader, they took it extremely seriously. Even if the local official said, it's not really a problem, it's just these two groups of Jews are fighting against each other and they're just making up stories, but it's nothing to worry about. The Tsar didn't care. And as a result, many Hasidish tzaddikim, in addition to the Alter Rebbe and the Mittler Rebbe, were arrested. Like we always talk about the arrest of the Alter Rebbe and the Mittler Rebbe and some Hasidic and all the Rebbes who were arrested. But the truth is that many tzaddikim were arrested. Um, the the Ruziner, the Helika Ruziner Rebbe, he was going to be arrested, but he, he, instead he escaped Russia and he wasn't arrested. But the only way he wasn't arrested is because he ran away. But now, so until now, it was, it was re really against the, the Hasidic leaders. But now the Maskilim brought the Tsar's anger, not just on the Hasidic leaders, and not just on the Hasidim, but on all from Yidin. And with the help, with the help of an anti-Semitic priest, a Galach, the Maskilim claimed that the owners of the Slavita press, we're going to do the entire story in full length very soon, but anyways, in short, uh, they said the owners of the Slavita press, the Shapiro brothers, were behind the hanging of one of their workers. They found them hanging in a shul. And the brothers, they said the brothers were angry because the worker had given this galach a page of one of the things they printed from the Svarim that was forbidden to print. And by mistranslating the halacha on that page in Shulchan Aruch, that it says that allows the Yid to kill a miser. Now, of course, the Yid is allowed to kill a miser, right? But... When they were printing things in Russia at that time, you couldn't just say that. You had to do it in a, you know, under certain circumstances. And they said that's why the Jewish worker was killed. And because the Shapiros considered him an informer. He was a miser. And the Maskilim claimed that according to this law, a Jew was even allowed to kill another Yid whose only offense was encouraging him to befriend his non-Jewish neighbors, which is baloney stories. And... The Maskilim also told them that while the rabbis claimed that there was 
something uh, ba- like something bad was written about goyim. They said, "Oh, it doesn't refer to all goyim. It refers to people who serve Aveda Zara." But the truth is, they said, really, they mean the religion of the Tsar and his country at that time. <clears throat> All this made the Tsar very angry to such an extent that he was determined to get rid of this religious mindset that they think that these from Jews, they think they're better than everyone else. And he wanted to get it out of the Jewish subjects that he had in his country. So to stop these ideas from being publicized, at that time in Russia there were about 80 Jewish printing presses in Russia. And he ordered that every single one of them should be closed with the exception of one. And that was the one in Vilna. Now, this was a disaster for the Yidden. Um... Now, the way printing works, it's anyone can print anything they want. Right? You don't need a special printing company to, to print your books. You, there's something called Amazon uh, self-publish. If I want to write a book, I could type it up, send it, send, press print over there, and they'll say, okay, for, for $1,000, we'll print you uh, 100 copies. And boom, I get a delivery of 100 copies of my book. Oh, how long did it take me? Oh, within three weeks, I'll get all the books. Back then, you wanted to print a safer. It took a long time. Even something like as simple as a sitter or a chumash took time. Because it wasn't like you were able, today, when you're writing a safer, you print it, you put it in the computer and it saves it. So if you ever want to print it again, you just, you don't have to do any work. You just press print and it prints. But back then, every single page had to be you had to put these little tiny letters in the, in, the, in the molds and stuff like that. So once they were done with it, they emptied it. So if you wanted to make a new chumash, you had to start all over again. And it could take months. Now, what happens when they close down the printing presses? There's no sudurim, no chumashim. Forget about the, the other svarim that there's another. I'm talking about simple, a thing like a sitter that every single year has to own. There weren't enough. <clears throat> so, we're going to start off, we're going to divide the whole uh, Haskalah, fighting the Haskalah into different uh, sections. So now we're starting with the, the closing of the Jewish printing presses. Now, while the Maskilim were, they applauded the government's decision in 1828 to start drafting Jewish men into the army, that was the government's idea. It wasn't like the masculine came up with it and went to the government and said, let's, let, I think it's a good idea to draft the Jews. The government themselves wanted to do it and they just said, oh, it's a good idea. However, seeing this as a perfect opportunity to find favor in the eyes of the czar, so the masculine wrote many letters in support of the draft and, and praise of it. The czar and his ministers saw through this flattery. You know what flattery means? Hanifa is when you go, oh, you're such a great guy. When, when you're, you're just, the guy's not a great guy, he's, he's, a, he's a sicko, right? But because you have to be extra nice to him, you can't say bad things in front of his face. That's called flattery. And they, they saw through this, this, these masculine, they were going, oh, it's so good what you're doing. No, you don't think it's good. What are you kidding me? 
Um, and they recognized who, them for who they were. These were a group of non-believing Jews whose entire goal was to destroy Frumkeit. Now, realizing this, the government was more than willing to use them to advance their own agenda, which would encourage it to assimilate and ultimately convert to the religion of the Tsar. So, just like in England, now it's the king of England, right, there's Christianity is divided into groups, right, there's different sections, so England has, their group is called the Church of England, the head of the Church of England is the monarch, so it used to be the queen, now it's the king. In Russia, they have uh, Russian orthodoxy, what the difference is between these things, but the head of, the head of the, the Russian Orthodox Church is, was, the Tsar. So the way the Tsar looked at it, it wasn't like, oh, I want to get the Yidin to convert. He looked at it, I'm in charge of this religion. So it was, it was much more personal for him. Now, in their discussions, the Maskilim petitioned the government to make changes to Jewish education. They also wanted to forbid printing certain Jewish books like Sifri Hasidis. And they also wanted to make a rule that you're not allowed to even own Sifri Hasidis. Um, they, already, they already petitioned the government earlier that they should put special censors in each Jewish uh, printing house to make sure that no forbidden book would be printed. And um, now they were saying that all Hasidic Svarim, even those that were already printed, should be included in this ban. Now, in their efforts to change the curriculum, the Maskilim wrote their own books. They made a new Siddur and Tanakh, both with German translations. And they took, instead of making a regular Shisha Siddur Mishnah, they made their own Mishnayis. Basically, it was like ours, except they only included whatever they wanted to include. They also made their own Rambam. Again, they didn't, they didn't go and change much, maybe, but they took out so many things that they felt are not important. Um, now, in addition, in recognition for their loyalty to him and, and, and to reward them for their hatred for Frum Yedin, the Tsar personally gave 1,000 rubles towards printing these books of the Maskilim. However, who's printing these books? There's not a single Jewish printing press in Russia that wanted to print these things. So the Maskilim made arrangements with... Uh, um, a Jewish publishing house, probably a German one, that was uh, on their side. And they printed their books, slash, Trefa Svarim, um, even though the, most of the Jewish community didn't want these books. <clears throat> In addition, they convinced the Vilna Press to print two books for them that didn't openly go against Jewish tradition. Um, at the same time, the owners of the Vilna Press, they went on a, on a, on a they were on a mission to become the most Chasheva Jewish printing house in Russia. So in 1834, they announced that they started printing a new and beautiful edition of the Shas, Gemara. And when 
the Slavita brothers heard about this. They took the owners of the Vilna press, the Vilna printing press, to a din taita. They claimed that they printed a shas 17 years ago. And remember, how long do you think it takes when, when you're doing something like a shas? Years in the making? Right, so they, when they worked on a shas 17 years earlier, the Rabbanim ruled that no one's allowed to print the shas for a period of 25 years. Because otherwise they lose money. They work so hard. And, and, and someone else, what happens if five months later some other printing company comes and says, well, we're printing a shas. Now the owners of the Vilna press, they said, what do you mean? You already sold all the original sets that you printed and you already reprinted it again. So that doesn't, it doesn't count anymore. The 25, even though it says 25 years, but that was only so you should sell all your copies. But you already sold all your copies. And they tried to settle it in Bayesden. Both sides. They didn't really succeed. Now, one of the biggest problems with this whole machlekes between the Slavita printing press and the Vilna printing press is that each side brought a whole group of Rabbanim that they're right. As you can imagine, all the Misnagdash Rabbanim said the Vilna press is right. All the Hasidish Rabbanim said the Slavita press is right. So how do you fix such a problem? And this went on back and forth. Rabbi Akiva Eger supported the Vilna press. Um, <clears throat> then, while this whole machlekes was going on in 1835, a former Jewish worker of the Slavita press was found hanged to death in the local shul. And, and the Maskilim and their allies, including this, we said this, this anti-Semitic Galach, they claimed that Sh the Shapiro brothers, who were the owners of the press, had the worker killed because they believed he was, a, was an informer, a miser. And grabbing this opportunity, the Tsar became personally involved, and he demanded that the... The judges find the Shapiro brothers guilty, even if there's not, not enough evidence. And the Slavita press, which was one of the only, even, even though we said there were 80 Jewish printing presses in Russia, the Slavita press was, the, was uh, one of the only ones that only printed Jewish books. You had other Jewish printing presses, but they would also print Kaiser books. And because of all this that was going on, the printing press closed. And after a trial, the brothers were given an extremely uh, harsh and bitter punishment, which we'll talk about later. Obviously, this ended the machlekes between the Slavita press and the Vilna press, because there is no Slavita press anymore. However, the Maskilim weren't satisfied with closing one printing press. They wanted more. They claim that since many of the Svarim, especially the Chassidish ones, speak against Goyim, especially against Yidin associating with Goyim, they need a stronger censorship and they petition the government to try to get, you know, more, more printing presses closed. And an official commission was established to investigate these claims. And three years later, in 1838, every Jewish press was ordered to close. It took 10 years for the government for, for, to petition the government to, to let them open up a new press. 
After 10 years, for 10 years, there were no printing presses. The only exception was the entire Russia, Russian Empire. The only exception was, was the one in Vilna that we mentioned earlier. And also there was a new one that was supposed to be opening up in Zhitomer, which was given permission to open. Now even that, as we just said right now, it took them 10 years to get them permission to actually open it up. The, 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 the Zhitomer press was opened up also by the Slavita, by, by, by the Shapiro brothers, the, their, the Slavita press brothers, right? The Shapiro, their last name was Shapiro. So their nephews were the ones who opened up the Zhitomer press. Um, now, at this point, the printing as far was, was totally knocked out. Um, so you had Vilna and later Zhitomer, and they were the ones who were supposed to supply every single sitter, Chumash, and a few other basics farm. However, just before these printing presses were closed, the Rebbe de Tzemach managed to print a safer. He did it very quickly because obviously he knew what was coming. And he printed the Alter Rebbe's Maimarim on Bereshis, Shemois, Hanukkah, and, and Megillah Sester. And he printed that at the printing press in Kapust. And he named this safer Taira Ayer. Right? You have Taira Ayer and the Taira? Why are they called two different names? Because Taira Ayer was printed first, and then the printing press is closed down. The Kutatayda was only printed 11 years later, which is why it has a different name. Now, but still, you think the Maskilim are satisfied with this? No way! They wanted to destroy Jewish education and, and from Cairo altogether. And they petitioned the government to what we would call upgrade the education of Jewish children to include the study of the Russian language and other secular subjects in the curriculum. And teachers as well would have to have this knowledge. Meaning if you didn't speak Russian, you couldn't teach in a cheder. Which would basically eliminate most of the rebbe's in the chadarim. Um, it would basically mean there's no more Hasidish and Malamdim, because most Hasidish and Malamdim did not speak the Russian language, and for sure they didn't know Russian sciences and whatever it is they wanted them to know. And we'll continue talking about the fight against the Maskilim tomorrow.